Welcome to the HR Matters Podcast. HR Matters because people matter. The place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together with news and topics that really matter, together with insights and the changes you can make in your organization today. For anyone with a keen interest and investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Marlene Fluch. Hey, hello. Myself, Lisa Dempsey. And today is a very special day because, number one, we have a wonderful guest, Ade Adinje. And we are also, I want to acknowledge, we are recording this particular episode in the very early days uh, here in the Netherlands of the shift socially to everybody needing to work from home, everybody practicing social distancing, which isn't my favorite word. I'd prefer it be physical distancing because I think we all still need social contact. But things are ever so slightly different today. So I just want to, to call that out. Um, but as I mentioned, we have a really exciting guest with us today, Ade. Ade and I used to be colleagues in uh, the corporate world. We worked in a, a fairly large corporate together uh, for a few years. And then Ade set out on his own amazing path to do some pretty interesting things. And I've, I've followed him closely since. Uh, so thank you so much, Ade, for, for being with us today. Do you, do you want to introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. In terms of my background, I initially started off my career in the employment law arena, and then I moved into broad human resources. And I've been freelancing now for just over 10 years work as a coach, uh, organizational development consultant, uh, group facilitator. And my passion really is around helping people show up fully in their lives, personally and professionally. So sometimes that might be helping them navigate issues like vulnerability, issues like shame, um, and the whole realm of different emotions. I'm certified in the work of Brené Brown, and so I run programs based on her books, Dare to Lead, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, and Gifts of Imperfection. Yeah. Wow. And so happy to have you. I can't wait to hear more about, about all that, about your views. Thank you for being here. Pleasure, yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. We're so happy to, to have you on because I think the work that you're doing is so genuinely important, particularly in the workplace, because it's, you know, it is about this just very human level of how do we show up together? How do we show up in, in the workplace? And what are some of the most interesting things that, that you're involved in? Because of course you do a lot of workshops, you do a lot of workplace. Yeah, I, I guess. You know, you interventions? Yeah, is it interventions? <laughs> what's, what's the word that you, that you use for that? I mean, interventions is a, is a very interesting one, actually, because interventions imply there's already an issue. And so I'm thereby going into intervene and smooth things over and mm. yeah that does happen so um, some of the things I do things like mediations where a relationship is broken down um, some of the issues might be around investigations if there's an issue that needs to be investigated on the grounds of say racism or sexism homophobia um, just breakdown in relationships some of the in interventions might be running things like training so dignity at work respect in the workplace um 
but a step back before interventions i'm not quite sure what the word is this and this is where my passion also lies which is around getting into organizations before there's actually an issue so helping them develop enhance and have cultures where people feel they can show up and be their best selves rather than they show up after there's been a problem so So getting in there before the issue I, I, I'm, I'm really happy you're saying that and that that is happening. And what is then the, the trigger for, for organizations to bring you in? If there's nothing actually going wrong yet, gladly. Um, yeah. What is there in Peters? What is their trigger to, um, to invite you over? It, it, it tends to vary, actually. Uh, so recently I was invited into an organization to do a piece on trust, mm-hmm. trust and psychological safety. And the reason they brought me in was um, they had, someone had read Brené Brown's latest book, Dare to Lead, and they felt that the essence of the book really captured what they wanted their organization to look like. So they brought me in and I did a session and it was really informative. People really loved it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they started to talk about was as an organization, they were very good when it came to vulnerability in terms of their products, their services, Mm -hmm. because they were very innovative, they were very um, open to exploring different possibilities regarding their product. Mm -hmm. When it came to interpersonal relationships, they were not that great when it came to vulnerability. And Ah. so they wanted to have a conversation around that. So that was an example of an organization that brought me in before there was an issue. Um, Now, in some cases, um, in fact, in a lot of cases, I go in, where the relationship has broken down. So what I'm then doing is I'm picking to see what what the court initial issue was. There was an organization I was working in recently where what I discovered was the core issue began years ago. An Mm. issue had occurred between two colleagues. The manager didn't feel he had the skill to deal with it, didn't tackle it, and then it had festered. So you can imagine if someone like me had been brought in at that early stage to maybe work with a manager in terms of skilling him up, in terms of helping him explore what was stopping him from tackling that issue, that would have really helped at so many different levels. Yeah, so many different levels indeed. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad about that that first example as well, that, that there's people in organizations that become aware of what, type of organization they want to be for the people that are there Uh, the awareness of it and and that that is something that you can take action on being aware of what you want to create yeah i think it needs um you know pioneers within organizations people who are going to stand up and be courageous and it might be that they watched something on youtube it might be that they read a book it might be that they went on a workshop and they go, oh, actually, I really love what's being said here. How can my organization start to bring this on board? Um, and I think it, it takes courage to do that. Um, yes. The person that brought me into that organization said, you know, when she first read one of Brené's books, she thought, oh, I would really love this to be talked about within my organization, but did not know how to go about it. And so, um, you know, years down the line, there I was having this session with, 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 with the organization. And, and it was really great that she had that courage to, to make it happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's so important because I think there are so many people out there who especially, you know, they read Brene Brown's work or some other amazing books and, and things that are out there about how you can make workplaces great, how you can make them better, how you can make them safer, you know, more productive, interesting, more human places, mm-hmm. but they don't ask for it. You know, they, they, it, be, it remains this kind of aspirational thing and it becomes this thing that's other. You know, oh, that's other organizations, that's other places. I wish I were there. Yeah. That yeah. other reality, yeah. Yeah. So what, what's a way that, that you think people, more people can find the courage to, to step forward and say, you know, hey, I would really like this. I would like to see my workplace become more like this. I think it's, it's that leaning into vulnerability it's that leaning into, I mean, Brené Brown defines it as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Yeah. And it's about leaning into that to, to say things like, like what you've just said. Yeah, I want my organization to, to be like this. What can I do to make it happen? So rather than waiting for the CEO or the HR director or the HR business partner or someone else to, right. to take the initiative, it's about that person who comes across this idea to yeah. say, what can I do to make it happen? And it can happen in a variety of ways. It could be a book club, for instance. It could be, you know, bringing together colleagues to, you know, have a conversation around that. It could be sat down at lunch, watching a YouTube, a TEDx talk, and having a conversation around that. And then taking that conversation to, okay, what can we do to bring this alive within our team, you know, within our department, within our organization? So rather than waiting for someone else to, to make it happen, yeah. I think it's about, you know, each person within an organization to, to make it happen. You know, one of the things I, I often say when I go into organizations is that every person plays a role in the organizational culture. Every yes. single person plays a role. It's not just left to that OD specialist or the people in the C-suite. Every single person, you know, is either colluding, normalizing or pioneering. So each person needs to sort of press pause and go, okay, what am I doing when it comes to creating this sort of organizational culture that I would love to, love to see? And it doesn't necessarily mean that when they take that initiative, it's going to happen. Um, it's about them taking that initiative and waiting to see what, what happens or not. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, I, you know, I think the, you know, being the pioneer and, and putting it out there and at the same time doing that very intimate dance of accepting that it may not be fully embraced immediately. It may take some time. It may take, you know, pulling in a number of allies or talking to a variety of stakeholders before the the idea gains some momentum, but finding the way to to be with that because I think also so often I hear in my in my practice, oh well, I tried that and I I said that to my boss or I said that to my colleague or I said that to the VP or the CFO or whoever they see in their organization as having the golden key, which they yeah. often don't, and. Then there's tremendous disappointment and discouragement and, and almost kind of, you know, mental resignation to it's never going to change mm. when there's that first no. Yeah. It, that also takes some, some courage to be with that, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it's that non-attachment, you know, not being attached to a particular outcome. You know, Brené Brown in Rising Strong talks about the fact of the matter is that at some point or another, we are going to fall, we are going to fail. And then it's about how do, how do we get back up? How do we get back up and stay in alignment with our values? Um, how can we learn from that fall so that when we then go back into that metaphorical arena, how can we show up, you know, differently and still be non-attached to the outcome? Because right. it might not necessarily happen the way that we longed it to happen. Yeah, or the, 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 the timing that, that you were longing for as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the practicality of, of sharing books and sharing YouTube videos and TED Talks with other people around you and finding allies there and, and slowly growing your circle. I think that's a very practical thing that people can do and there's there's people all the time that approach me and and or that i speak to and then hear what i do and say oh i wish you'd come into my organization before i'd left or for whatever or the previous one or you should, you should really talk to my friend's manager i wish you could come in there and you know this is really great advice to just start chatting with other people because indeed I do think the chances are quite often quite big that if you if you as an individual approach your CEO they're going to say okay thank you bye it, it needs more of a grassroots or, or more of a it needs more than that one conversation with a CEO that you may get blown off for so yeah thank you. yeah it's a very interesting one and um, I think what, what comes up for me as we're having this conversation is you know, yes, it's great for people to be the pioneers, you know, and I'm, I'm totally in support of that. And at the same time, we need to recognize that there are going to be people in organizations who don't feel they um, are able to do that for whatever reason, or who feel they don't want to do it. Yeah. So I was working with a team recently, and someone in the group said, actually, I'm just prepared, I'm ready to go with steady state. You know, I'm, I come into work, I get paid, I do my job, and that's, that's it for me. This is a job for me. Um, and yes, I'm unhappy in certain regards, but hey, it's not my problem if the organization changes or, or doesn't, so long as I get paid. Now, that's sad for the organization and for the individual, but there are people out there who have kind of given up for whatever reason. Um, sure. Or maybe just never even had that interest in terms of yeah. the organization being totally inclusive, being an organization where they feel they 100% belong. Yeah. So um, what, what do you do with that? Because I, I, you know, I, I can see that going a lot of different ways. If, well, then suddenly everybody gives into resignation or is, it, is that more about just not making that individual wrong, making space for that person to to have that feeling, to have that, you know, I'm okay with status quo. I'm happy with, you know, as long as I get my paycheck, that's all I need from my job. What is that about for you? Um, well, it depends on what lens I'm kind of using to look at the situation. If I'm a consultant going in, there's only so much I can do in terms of, you know, working with the individual, because it might be that I've gone into do an intervention, as was said earlier on. So with this particular example, I was there to run a program um, and then I'm out. Um, but as part of the conversation um, I had with this particular individual, it was really around exploring 
some of the things that got in the way of her fully showing up, you know, some of the things that might be impacted if she doesn't really tackle or if people like her don't tackle those issues. Because the fact of the matter is, if someone has resigned mentally, it has an impact in some shape or form. It It might not necessarily be showing up in this person's work, it might be showing up in this person's personal life. Yeah. Um, you know, and if it's showing up at work, it's not necessarily within that person's function. It might be in terms of their relationships with other team members. So for me, there is something there around the role of, of managers as well, in terms of managers being conscious of such situations. Because if this person is saying, I've checked out, there must be someone who hopefully notices that and is then able to have a conversation with this person to go, okay, what can we do to help you check back in? Um, What can we do to help you check back in? You know, there's that wonderful model um, that Susan Zedike talks about, which is that relate rupture repair model. So relate is everything's going great. You know, everyone's doing what they're meant to be doing. People are talking. And then there's a rupture of some sort. Um, The rupture might be, you know, someone crossed the line, someone missed a deadline, someone made a mistake, and there needs to be that repair. That repair needs to happen, ideally, in order to get back to that wholehearted relate. And if the repair is bypassed, and you go back to relate, what happens is there are all these resentments that start to build up. There's all this residue. And it was in this context that this person was actually saying that they had checked out they'd said they checked out because they didn't want to do the repair work Mm. Um, and it's like well if we're not doing the repair work it's going to play out in some shape or form Um, and a lot of work that I do with organizations around mediations investigations when I sit down and unpack it what's happened is people have tried to bypass that repair and I think to have that repair takes vulnerability um, yes. because it's either the individual who feels wronged who is saying you know yesterday last week such and such happened and I, f- I felt really hurt uh, when you did xyz um, because I have a need for you know for respect for belonging for what have you and this is what I want to see going forward so that takes courage that takes vulnerability and for some people they'd rather put their head in the sand for whatever reason I don't mean to demonize that but for whatever reason um but the the downside to that is that it's going to leak out in some shape or form and right. then become really toxic at some at some point yeah it'll bite you in the bum eventually yeah exactly yeah and I think that is it is so important and and I love the way that you articulate the various layers, you know, and the various iterations that through which that that can be addressed, because it isn't, you know, it isn't about making that person wrong, but it is about calling out the impact of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it isn't it isn't something that, you know, anytime you step into an organization, you step into that space of we, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a we that exists, and how you show up in that we, always has an impact. And, and if, you know, you're not able to fully show up because of whatever reason, and there may be something really interesting, really significant, really, that maybe wasn't noticed, you know, maybe it was just that 
that project fell apart in a particular way and, and it wasn't handled well and you feel you're still feeling some of that residue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that word residue. I think it, it, it resonates so well, doesn't it? Um, and that's still hanging around until that's addressed, until that, that is dealt with on that really human level. And I think this is why the work that you do, Ade, is so incredibly important because it is about understanding that, that that human level is important in everything that we do in the workplace. You know, there, there really is no barrier between personal and professional in that sense. We are human beings and we bring with us our whole self to work, whether, whether we intend to or not, whether we do it consciously or not, it shows up. Right, it's happening anyway. Might as well deal with it. Yeah, and that that really forms, you know, the core of my passion, which is really around helping people show up fully in their lives Mm. and exploring the the stuff that stops them from showing up. Because if I'm not self-aware in my personal life, I'm going to bring that into work. I'm going to bring that into all aspects of my life. And so it really starts with that sort of, investigation you know going down into the depths of who we are individually to look at actually what are my core values you know how am i living those values how are those values showing up in my life in and outside of work you know what 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 does my best version look like the best version of me what does it look like do i bring that into work Um, if i'm not able to bring that into the work what is the stuff that gets in the way is it to do with what's going on outside of work or is it to go to do with what's going on inside of work? Um, it's that inner exploration that's really, really powerful. And I think every individual owes it to themselves to embark on that journey. Um, because if we don't embark on that journey, you know, we're going to sleepwalk through our lives. And what, what kind of life is that? Yeah. And, and is, is that... I'm going to use a word right now. Is that contagious? <laughs> is it if you <laughs> if you do that, do other people notice and think I want to do that too? Does that help? Does does doing that for yourself help other people as well? Yeah, I mean they do say courage is contagious. Yeah. Um, you know, when I show up and I am vulnerable with someone else, it kind of gives that other person permission to also be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and i think very often some of us wait for everything to be perfect to be safe before we fully show up Mm -hmm. um before we fully step into that arena before we go into that cave i want you to be perfect i want guarantees and the fact of the matter is you know most of the time that is not going to happen um so it it needs someone to sort of put their hands up and go um, actually, I don't understand that, or actually, I, I'm not sure that's going to work, rather than colluding through silence. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of organizations where they have that sort of power over mentality kind of encourage those cultures for people not to put their hands up and be vulnerable, and thereby everyone simply colludes and stays silent. And I love that. I think that's so powerful what you say, you know, colluding through silence because that, you know, by by being silent, you, you are taking an action, whether or not it, you know, you intend to or not. Um, But 
that that alone has impact. And I think it's one that people often underestimate. It's easy to to overlook the value of of that silence, you know, when that when that thing happened in that meeting room or when that, you know, that that person spoke to another person in, in a certain way. When you just silently walk by or you just accept it, you turn a blind eye, that's a valuable action in and of itself. That that I think being aware of the impact of that is so incredibly valuable. Yeah. And one of the examples I often give um, was I was working with this organization where they had someone who was on probation and they wanted to get rid of this person. And when we explored further, what they were saying was it was because this person had an attendance issue and did not come to work at the required time. And when we investigated some more, what happened was when this person started, they had noticed that everyone else in the team turned up late. And so they thought that was the norm. So they started turning up late. Right. They thought this is the culture here. Exactly. This is the way we this show is, up yeah, with each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. And then the manager had noticed that had not said anything. And then when the issue became out became out of control, then wanted to tackle it by getting rid of this person who was still on probation, mm-hmm. rather than right. actually pressing pause to go, we as an organization, we as a team here have an issue in terms of we've been colluding um with this behavior of turning yeah. up late. So, yeah, so rather than having that conversation, this manager had simply put their head in in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I also make up about it is I I think it's, I've seen it happen in a variety of situations on different topics where, you know, a manager will have existing relationships, sometimes even longstanding relationships with other members in the team. And they feel very uncomfortable with calling those people out because of those longstanding relationships. Maybe they rely on those people more. They've delegated more to them. They, they, they have better insight and understanding of what those people are doing. So it feels much more vulnerable for the manager to have those conversations than to blame the new person. You know, the new person, there are fewer attachments, there's less investment, there's less insight, less understanding. And it, it you know, suddenly like, that's the more comfortable space to be in. But how genuinely important is that to actually look out at that bigger picture and realize, hold on, I think we might be scapegoating here. And yeah. there's, there is a behavior going on across a variety of people. We need to have a very different kind of conversation. Yeah. You're figuring out what's prompting the behavior rather than condemning it. It's that vulnerability piece. I think that's what's sort of coming up for me as I reflect on this conversation that we're having. It's around that leaning into the vulnerability, leaning into that uncertainty, taking that risk and um, that emotional exposure. All sorts of emotions are going to come up. And rather than put head in sand, it's about leaning into it and having that conversation, tackling that issue, being that pioneer. Um, because otherwise, nothing, nothing happens. They're just this festering and, and um, residue that just starts to build up. And having the courage to do that, if yeah. I can add that. It's a yeah. vulnerability and the courage as well. Yeah, of course. Well, Annie, what, what is the one thing that you would wish for all individuals to, to do in inside organizations to bring this vulnerability to life? You know, I think vulnerability, it, it, 
it feels vulnerable. You know, even just the word itself can bring a certain amount of discomfort. And um, often it, you know, it is, it is associated with weakness and all of these negative things. Of course, Brene Brown and, and the work that you're doing inside organizations is, is moving mountains in terms of changing that. But where's the place to start? If, if vulnerability doesn't already live inside a, a team culture, an organizational culture, where do you start? What, where, where would be the first place? I mean, there are different ways of starting depending on where individuals are, because, you know, there is where the organizational culture is, the team culture, but there's also where the individual is. So for some people, it might be reading one of Brené's books, bringing that into the team and having a conversation around it. For some people, it might be collectively watching Brené Brown's TEDx talk on the power of vulnerability. Mm. Um, and for some people, it might be having a conversation around vulnerability. So having a conversation around what does vulnerability look like for us? What does it mean for us? There's some STEM sentences that we use um, in the programs we run. And one of them is, you know, I grew up believing vulnerability was dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then people talk about that. People have a conversation around that. Um, people can have a conversation around within our organization, the messages and expectations around vulnerability are dot, dot, dot. Mm. Um, in fact, yeah. I did that with a team recently, that, that last question, which is within our organization, the messages and expectations around vulnerability are, and it was really rich and people got so much from it. And it was the first time they'd had a conversation like that. So I think rather than the people who are starting off the conversation feeling, this is a conversation where we're going to leave with answers. It's about going in with, this is a conversation where we're going to explore. Yeah. Where we're going to explore and, and dig deep and bring things to light. We don't necessarily need to know which way this conversation is going to go. Mm -hmm. It's simply about creating that space for the conversation, like our conversation now. Yeah, you know, letting it happen. About, <laughs> exactly, let, let it happen. And I think that's what I would say could be a really powerful starting point for organizations, having that conversation without having any idea where it's going to go. Right. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so powerful. And I, I, you know, I'll hold my hand up and wholeheartedly own, like I recognize in my, my own career, I think I, I even did this one of the very first times I came across Brene Brown's work, you know, I sort of marched in and said, we need this, you know, and it's sort of like this mandate as opposed to the exploration. And I think if I, you know, if I had gone down the exploration route, <laughs> rather yeah, than, you think it this is amazing, we have to have this. <laughs> Would have been much more successful. <laughs> so I think, but I think that you know, it is genuinely a, that exploration. Start there. Start, you know, just live the vulnerability. Live the what? Do, what does this mean? And what did we grow up with this meaning? And just explore it. Dance with it. Marlene, what what what's here for you? What are you What are you taking away from this? Well, I'm taking away all these practical starting points, which are, are heartening for me and which I, I will gladly take on to, to my clients and to people I speak to. And what I'm noticing about myself is that I feel more comfortable being with vulnerability when I connect it with courage, that it takes a bit of courage to be vulnerable and to have those conversations. And I'm more comfortable with getting in touch with my courage or the need to show courage 
for other people you know okay i can be scared but it's let's let's just be brave because it will help other people that's a place that i can come from uh, to make it a bit more comfortable to be vulnerable yeah. um so attaching those two together like something i already have and attaching that to something new or something to grow which is that vulnerability makes it a, a, a more comfortable step for me and that's something i'm learning right now like as my brain is going while i'm listening to you guys <laughs> yeah there is that thing around being brave and afraid at the very same time yeah, um, yeah. and i think sometimes when people you know hear about vulnerability they think oh actually it means i'm scared or it means i'm 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 courageous mm. um and i think for me it's about having those two things at the same time i can be brave and afraid at the very same moment and being okay with that yeah thank you yeah big yes to that thank you so <laughs> much ade for sharing this this has been such a really rich and wonderful conversation and you really just have such a a, a really powerful gift of being able to articulate these things in, in a really clear and intelligent way and also just a, a really powerful presence. I just want to call that out that you know yeah. you have this very powerful calming presence. You're so grounded in this. It creates a very safe space to to explore these things. So thank you so much for bringing that. Thank you too and thank you for this really rich conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We, we appreciate all of our listeners out there. Also make sure that you do subscribe so you're the first to learn about our latest episodes. And we would also really love it if you could give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback as well as your topic requests. And also your ratings help us get a little bit more visibility to bring these really important things further out there to the world. So let us know what's on your mind in the workplace. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye. bye.